Know my Heidi my Keith and a Hortaka. Welcome to the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman here. Now, due to flooding in the Eureka area, this is State Highway 26 to Hamilton to Morrinsville. State Highway 26 is closed between Hunter Road and Tuafare Road. Do take care. Allow time for a short detour. And State Highway 5 between Topo and Estelle, that is now open. And they thank you for your patience. Please drive with care. Any details regarding the uh, rains in Tairafa, the district, we will keep you up to date uh, across the uh, across the evening here on RNZ National. Ehari Akene coming up. The five people aboard a missing submersible died in a catastrophic event, a Coast Guard official said. It's an issue... That has uh, entranced the world. Uh, it's very tragic news. And our guest today, a former science reporter, was the first journalist to go down to the Titanic, and it didn't go well. The sub got stuck near the Titanic's propeller. That story on the panel just after four. Also, we return to a resident who we talked to on the day. Cyclone Gabrielle struck in Hawke's Bay, and she's had some news yesterday about her property. I don't think it's looking good. And it's been four years since the government pledged $1.9 billion for mental health. What's happened? And more about the health benefits of sitting on the floor. That went off yesterday, so Sharish is a long-time panellist now, and Sharish joins us. He sits on the floor daily. Text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Our Manuhiri this afternoon, Bootsy Moran, an urban stranger, founder of Places for Good, which is an Auckland-based community engagement and placemaking collective, Bootsy Kura. Welcome to the panel. Tanakwe Wallace, thank you for having me. Nice to have you here. Also, Mark Knopf Thomas, the Chief Executive of the New Market Business Association. Kia ora, Mark. Kia ora, both. Hi, Boopsy. Great to have you here, both of you. Happy Friday to you. Power Ballad Friday, also 4.30. And if you missed the show, you can always listen to the panel on iHeart, on Apple and Spotify. Let's jump into the Friday mailbag this afternoon, and there's been lots of discussion across all topics. The possible loss of languages at VIC. Languages at departments are under threat of closure. Italian, Greek, Latin. Many got in touch. Nick writes, I studied Japanese at Auckland University. This set me up to be able to do a master's in interpreting in Tokyo University. As an interpreter, I then found myself interpreting for CEOs of international companies, TV shows, school trips, software development teams, TED Talks, to name a few. Learning language is the study of communication, social interaction, the workings of the human mind. Our obsession with hard skills these days overlooks all the doors a soft skill like language can open. Well, how about that, Boosie? Learning a language really took him places. Yeah, I think my sister, she ter- learned French at the same time, and she was able to teach it in high school. So I think you're stalling that kind of global knowledge. And I think it's important languages. So I took Japanese in high school, and I had to take Spanish. So I doubt other countries are doing the same. So if other countries aren't eliminating languages, is it wise for us to do the- do that as a uh, country? Remind me, do you speak Spanish? I took enough to be like, hola, como esta, you know, conversational that you should okay. know. And I think it's important because it opens not just your language, it's a worldview. 
Mm, 100%. I'm sorry. Yeah, what yeah. about you, Mark? Oh, I am. I love languages. Do and you? I am. I did at school. We had to do German and Latin and French, I think, back in the day at Otago Boys. Um, and as an adult, I taught English in Spain uh, and I had to learn Spanish pretty quickly. And now um, I am addicted to Duolingo, the app, and I'm learning Welsh. My native language, I was born in Wales. Uh, Welsh, topping up my French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, and they're actually adding Tereo to, to Duolingo at some stage, which will be awesome. That's so, incredible, Mark. I love this it. This is something I never knew about yeah, you. Yeah, I love language. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm bad at all of them, uh, but I love giving it a go. So, you know, it's I'm fascinating. Everybody should learn a language. You've inspired it's, me. That's extraordinary. Yeah, no, it's great. Good, good, for, on the, good for the brain. Very yeah. good. Uh, text me, 2101. What language uh, are you learning, studying? Could be Te Māori. It could be, as you say, Spanish here with Bootsy. It could be, what's your favourite at the moment? French. I'm just getting ready for a holiday, actually, later <laughs> next month. So oh. just topping up on my ordering bread skills here. Yeah. Now, <laughs> a, the, the, oh, we got a long letter, a polyamorous thruple threesome, $2 million property dispute, has raised questions on how similar cases might be handled. And it was quite a complex case. The Supreme Court uh, really grappled with this. And we had a long letter from a person that I will call Caitlin, explaining why she entered into such a relationship. And I thought, well, this would be quite interesting. So I'm going to share it with you. It's abridged. And here it is. I began my polyamory journey... About two years ago, when I met, then fell deeply in love with someone who was not my husband. Needless to say, this was terrifying. I still loved my husband, was still attracted to him, and keeping our family together was vitally important to me. I decided to take the risk of telling him what was going on with the other man. Of course, this was shattering, but previous counselling meant that our ability to communicate respectfully was quite strong. Over time, I realised that I was not willing to give up my second partner, but I also did not want to give up my marriage. Incredibly, against all odds, my husband decided that he would like to stay with me as his wife, even while I maintained another secondary parallel relationship. There has been pain and jealousy, but also joy and peace. Now, RNZ's Ayana Piper-Helian picks up the story. We've agreed to keep our arrangement highly structured so that everyone knows what to expect every week. I stay over at my paramour's place once a week only, and that never changes. It could increase, but only by collective agreement. The marriage is my primary relationship that receives the vast majority of my social time. We protect our family and ourselves by keeping this arrangement private. They would be confused, hurt, and probably offended. To me, the biggest concern is honesty and openness with my partner. I think it's at the core of intimacy. I'll be signing a prenup with my secondary partner to protect his assets, which will allow us to move forward without that particular stress hanging over us. In the meantime, we stay loyal and loving to each other. We have each other's backs. Well, how about that? And thank you, uh, Caitlin, for sharing that long letter about peeing in a relationship with two other people. 
Could it work for you, Boosie? I think it's all about communication. I think it can work if someone is honest and communicative. It's when you're not talking to each other and not making rules straight from the beginning that any relationship's difficult. But it sounds like these people are quite organized. And anyone I know in polyamorous relationships are quite organized, very open. Um, and sometimes it's the partner that really just wants to hold on the part, hold on to the partner, like this story where the woman, instead of leaving her husband, he's like, let's make it work. Because maybe he won't find another partner like that. So if she's willing to stay parallel to the family, why not? I think it could work. Extraordinary, isn't it? I think there's lots of different scenarios at play these days. And uh, as long as it's between consenting adults and it works for people, God, who are we to judge? You know, it's, um, I know a lot of people and there's open marriages, heterosexual and, and gay lesbian relations I'm, I'm aware of and it works well for some people, um, others not so much. And I, I, just, I think horses for courses, if it works for you and, and, and your people you're with, well, awesome. Horses for courses. <laughs> Maybe I could have chosen a better expression, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, perfect, Mark. Thank you. Wow, very interesting. So, to uh, to Caitlin there, I just want to appreciate uh, you sending in your thoughts to us uh, and being able to share it with our listeners there on being in a thruple. Uh, the cat killing competition. A guest from Safe said they were all for protecting native birds, but killing cats like this is inhumane, and pet cats will get caught up in the fire. Uh, Someone says, I'm all in favour of getting rid of feral cats, but we have a seven-acre property which our cat roams, mainly at night. In his eight years, he has killed a few sparrow and goldfinches, but he has killed hundreds of rats and mice. On average, he brings in a dead rat at least once a week, sometimes more than one in a night, so I believe he saved many more birds than he has killed, is this person's uh, point of view. What do you think, Bootsy? I think um, we definitely, I live in Greylin. I think there's definitely a lot of random cats around yeah, the place. Isn't, isn't they just? To, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, learning, listening to this show, that 100 million die a year? That's a lot. I don't know if there's other ways. But I also think there's other 100 pests. million native birds die annually. Yeah, that's insane. And so whatever we need to do. But it's just in general, New Zealand's really good about pest control. It's just admitting that if not this cat in particular, but if certain cats are a pest, how do we deal with that in a mm. humane way? You've got several, haven't you? Cats. Mm. I am so not a oh, cat sorry. person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dog person. So I, I really, I um, give me dogs every day of the week. Uh, I can really not take cats at all. I grew up with cats. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah, I just like, don't like don't like their selfishness. Uh, whereas dogs, I just love the fact they're just always on and awesome well, and loving. Talking about talk about pushing listeners' buttons. I know that's why that's the nuclear button I just pressed there. Yeah. So. Gosh, so you you you're saying that cat owners are selfish? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I think cats as animals can be quite selfish. Yeah. I think right. they're, they're so independent. Very, very good. All right. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, feedback uh, regarding uh, polyamory there. Uh, Cribes, old hippie here, doesn't work eventually. Humans are naturally jealous. All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Boopsie Moran. Okay, well, Happy I, Friday, take yeah, it away. happy Friday, yes. Excited about the weekend. So basically, I came into New Zealand in 2006, and there's a lot of interesting things happening here that I didn't know happen, such as, like, I learned that my, um, if you grow up in a rural area, some of your teachers get subsidized housing, which I thought was really interesting. Or I've learned a lot of teachers who went to teacher's college in the, in the seven, 1970s, they all got free teacher's college. But my most favorite kitschy New Zealand thing is the goodnight kiwi. And mm. from what I remember around the 1990s, he would go to bed at 
at midnight and turn off the light. And that was when your TV would go for the new migrants here. You could look it up. Good night, Kiwi. It's quite a beautiful thing. Could we do that for our cell phones? Could we get like a little warning at 8 p.m.? And instead of a Kiwi, it's your mobile phone going to bed, reminding you that (laughs) too much screen time. Good night, Kiwi mobile phone. Turn what a beautiful idea! <laughs> because it was a lo- it was a lovely send off. Yeah, you know, I, I I can hear this. I can hear the music in my head and the kiwi in the satellite dish and goes down. Da- you know, get, does goes down the lift or up the lift? I and think then up the, the, lift. the cat sort of appears the in the cat, dish. Yeah, yeah. Cat. that one yeah. wasn't feral. You got it, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But I think also it's a gentle reminder rather than saying turn off something. It was such a sweet so, way yeah. to be willing to accept. Oh, the 70s, though. Such a, a simpler, better time. It was so lovely. And we were talking before about, you know, going to the dairy and getting a 20-cent mixture and you come mixture. out with a, a suitcase the size of, you know, several bags of lollies. It was and so what would great. be any mixture? You'd have the aeroplane. I like the milk bottles. The milk bottles. Love the blackberry and raspberry and gums. Black, and one they were actually more. quite pricey, though. They were probably a two cents <laughs> each or something. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Bipsy. All right, I've been thinking. Mark Noth Thomas. Uh, well, I am thinking about zooming out. So today I was in, um, in our local police station talking to one of my team looking at a, a camera. And the cameras, the new cameras available today are amazing. They can zoom from an incredibly long way away. So actually we had a camera on the warehouse site on Broadway Newmarket, if you're familiar, near the Olympic Pool, and that can zoom all the way down as far as Westfield and can pick up details and all kinds of things. That's extraordinary. when you're zoomed out, so when you're zoomed in so much, it's very easy to lose perspective. And it sort of got me thinking, because, you know, there's a lot going on right now in the world and in life. Um, There's a lot of things happening. And I think we just need to remind ourselves sometimes just to really look at the big picture and to zoom out because thinking about things like, for me at the moment, crime, you know, the economy, um, local politics, the little mental health bumps we have along the way, sort of just living normal lives, geopolitics, wars, you know, social media obsession and sort of maybe switching off that a bit more. Um, And then I'm just thinking that when life gives you lemons, and there are a few lemons around Mm. right now, uh, a lot of hardship, a lot of mortgage rates going up, people getting in sort of realising how much more their mortgage is going to cost you every fortnight. Um, this isn't really going to change that, but actually just taking stock and breathing and going for a walk and just letting it all sort of shake off because sometimes we're so zoomed in, we get overwhelmed and we can't see the wood for the trees. So oh, wonderful thoughts. All about Both breathing. Of you. All Thank about you, breathing. Mark. All right, just after four, we talked to a, a former journalist who made the first journalists uh, dive down to the Titanic and, get this, almost got stuck. That just after four. Stay with us.